Hey good people, guess what we, the podcast Living Truthfully has been nominated for the Bake Awards 2019. Oh my gosh, did you hear that? Bake Awards is a bloggers association of Kenya's awards and they award people who are making a difference in the blog space, in the vlog space and they included a podcast category and we have been nominated. Yes! So, what do you do about it? Please go to vote.bakeawards.co.ke vote.bakeawards.co.ke and then find category number 23 which is a podcast category and you will see our URL which is anchor.fm stroke amani maranga and vote on that particular one amani maranga that's the one you vote on and then when you're done make sure you've also gotten the SMS verification for it because that's how your vote actually counts go and vote and show us that we are making a difference in your life. Voting closes on the 30th of May, so we don't have too much time. Go and vote now, and then share, share, share. Go, Baker Awards, go! Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Someone made fun of me about this greetings, but I don't know what time it is that you're listening to this podcast and I don't know where you are, but I want you to know that I'm very grateful that you're listening to this podcast. It's called Living Truthfully and my name is Amani Maranga. I am always humbled by the fact that people are tuning in and listening to the conversations that we are having. We are now talking about dads, how we were fathered, how we are fathering. And I want to share a story with you. I had the opportunity to speak at Engage24 at the beginning of April this year. And I got to share my own father story. One that I had started to share right here on the Living Truthfully podcast. Uh, if you listen to episode 6, uh, 7 and 8 with Dr. Oscar, the title Heal the Boy, Make a Man, you'll hear a bit of this story. Now Engage is a homegrown speaking platform where men and women get to share their stories. You can find them on YouTube, their channel is called Engage Talk. And I gave a story about how I met my biological dad. Um, it's called Who's Your Daddy? This was probably a more humorous take on a conversation that I'd had here with Dr. Oscar. I'd love for you to listen to it. And so we asked them if I could use the audio of that talk for this podcast. And they said, yes, thank you, Engage. Thank you, Don. And thank you, Agatha. So, what's your daddy's story? I'm going to tell you mine. Have a listen. First dates for me are a work in progress. It's the anxiety, the pressure of first dates, the questions. Will she like me? Does she really look like her profile picture? <laughs> Will she laugh at my jokes? Is it a scam? Do these clothes make me look fat? I really don't like first dates. 
But allow me to tell you about a few, is that okay? So to give it context, we go back to when I was a six-year-old, and about this time I realized there was something wrong with my name. No, not the Amani one, though even that they found a way of making fun of it. There were songs, Amani Akobana. Amani, Amani, let's see the 80s children. Amani, Amani, yeah. It was the second one. And the problem was, where I lived, no one else had that name. No one else. You know the way there are many in Jorogues, or very many Kamaus. I couldn't find anyone. I, I mean, I was in Molo Primary School. Pure box one that one Moro. And not there, not with my cousins, not with my family. No one had that name. See, I was raised by a single mom. A loving single mother. She was a dress, you can tell. <laughs> Turned teacher. And with her, I tried to understand about my father, my biological father. Let's call him Pops. Is that okay? So, Pops. And my mom would drop hints here and there, just enough answers to keep my curiosity at bay. She was very good at deflecting it by asking me questions like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'd say I want to be a pilot, like Bobby Black. <laughs> Captain. I wanted to be a doctor. Sometimes, I wanted to be Museveni. <laughs> Don't judge me, Museveni was very cool in the 80s. <laughs> so she'd call me Captain Dr. Maranga Museveni. We had a good time as a child. And when I was eight years old, we'd moved from Molo to Narok, she was teaching now. She got married to the man that I now call my father. We shall call him Dad. Okay? So we have Pops and we have Dad. You're tracking. Fantastic. So, Dad. Dad was, was a little different. He was not light-skinned like me. He was a bit dark, like Bobby Black. Okay, sorry, I'll not, I'll not do it again, I'll not do it again. <laughs> a bit dark, like Bobby Black. <laughs> and when he came in, he became now the man of the home, a position I had, take, I had, I had been used to before. I didn't know it, but, you know, I digress for a second. Men, we know how to do our hierarchy thing. When we meet, we, we can tell who's the, who's the alpha male. And that's why men don't fight. Often we just work together. So the alpha male had come. I felt like the hostages on that ship in the movie Captain Phillips. You know when the guy got into the captain's deck? Do you remember that? the pirate with a gun, with the AK-47, and he tells the captain, look at me now. Look at me. I am the captain now. That's how I felt when, my, when dad came. And so, as I went on to high school, and now we were moving to Nairobi, I made it my life's mission to find Pops. 
I was going to find Pops. And I spent my entire high school years trying to find this man, Pops. Now, in those days, our version of uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, IG, Google even, was an actual book. <laughs> it was fat like this. It had no faces. They called it a directory. <laughs> and anyone who had a phone number or anyone who had a post office address was listed on the phone directory. And so I looked, you know, it was listed in alphabetical order. So I looked for Maranga and I found them. This is the first time, I'd, okay, not really, but I saw so many Marangas. I didn't know there were that many. I'd figured out that there were a bit more because every so often I'd meet people from the Banana Republic. You know the guys who speak in uh, minor keys? <laughs> the guys for you know those people. And, and, and when I said my name, they would greet me with enthusiasm, and I'd give them blank stares. You know? Translated in the even more heavenly language. <laughs> I didn't understand what they were saying. By the time I was done with high school, I had narrowed down through hints, you know, there was a conspiracy of silence in my life. So we didn't really talk about pops. But sometimes we'd hear little hints. Believe it or not, sometimes we were in the same vicinity and I didn't know. But through these hints, I'd narrowed down to two possible marangas in this country <laughs> from that phone book that could have been Pops. So we moved to the year that I, I leave high school and I'm going to computer college. Dad has gotten a job that now is taking him away from us, so he starts traveling a bit and it's just me and my mom uh, back at home and my younger brothers, and I'm not trying to reestablish, you know, <laughs> my territory. See, the guy has gone, so now. <laughs> Who's the captain now, anyway? <laughs> and in one of those fights I was having with my mother, because by now you know I was a troubled teenager, right? I told her, if I knew my real father, you would not be treating me like this. And she was like, yeah? And as if to prove me right or wrong, I don't know, one of the two, she gave me his phone number. His home phone number. My entire life's search had come down to these six digits. I had the opportunity of meeting Pops. Believe it or not, that phone number was one of the two. If you're looking for a father, I now charge. <laughs> now, we didn't have a phone at home. Well, at least not in the house. But right around the corner, there was a phone booth. And it was mine. It's true, it was mine. That's a number I gave chicks to call me when, you know. <laughs> when I needed to set up fast, beds. And I tell them that I had access to the phone only between, you know, like 4 to 7 p.m. At that time, you'd find me just chilling by the phone booth. 
you'd have to ask for permission to use it because, you know, I was waiting for a call. So that would have been the obvious choice for me to use to make this call to Pops. But the way my account was set up, <laughs> as an 18-year-old, you know, high school liver, I knew that the coins that were needed for that phone booth might not be enough. I didn't know how long this conversation was going to be. <laughs> so instead, I went to a phone bureau. I'm sorry, millennials, I don't have the time to explain what a phone bureau is. <laughs> But in this way, I could make the call as long as I needed it to be. And so I went, and I made this call. And of course, I'm nervous. I'm a bunch of nerves, and you know, I pick the call, dial the numbers, and a man picks on the other end. And I say, hi, my name is Amani. And he says, no, wait, I say, hi, my name is Amani. Amani Maranga, you know, just so that you, you know. And he says, I know who you are. How did you get my number? Nilikuwa Facebook, anyway. So I tell him. <laughs> so I tell him how I got, I got his number from my mom. And in that conversation, very short, we set up our first date. Set up that first meeting. It was gonna be like a week or something, maybe 10 days. He was traveling, then he'd come back and we'd meet. That week was nerve-wracking. I went to school, like I said, I was in computer school at the time. I used to go to Buruburu Shopping Center. I'd walk from where we lived in Donholm to Buruburu Shopping Center. And I kid you not, every time I walked, I'd imagine, you know, you look at a grown man and now you think, is my father like this guy? Or is he like this guy? I had the same first date questions. Will he like me? Will he accept me? Is he light-skinned like me? Is he tall? Is he rich? Is this how I finally leave Eastlands? You know? <laughs> it was a torturous week. And then D-Day came, and that he had agreed, he had said he'd come to Buruburu Shopping Center, where my school was, my computer school. And so he comes, or rather, the day comes, and I leave school early, 12.30, or to meet at one, find a spot in the shopping center, a strategic spot, where you can see everyone coming in. But also, if someone was looking for a long-lost son, they would see me, you know? <laughs> and I waited. And waited. And waited. Kind of felt like Bob Marley. I don't want to wait in vain for your love. And after what seemed like a lifetime, that was only two hours, one to about three o'clock, I decided it's not coming. And so it's time to go home. Because I was still not king of the home, there was a mother. <laughs> so <clears throat> I don't know if you know the area well, but from Buruburu Shopping Center, 
if you wanted to go to Donholm and you're walking, at the time there were two possible routes. One was through a market called Mtindwa. Then you cross out a ring road into Moja, then into Tena Estate, and then into Donholm. Or you could walk through Buruburu, through the main road like a car. <laughs> Don't laugh. I, I guys laugh at a sad story. <laughs> walk like a car, phase three, phase four, phase five, cross over a small alley at, behind Buruburu High School, and then get onto Jogo Road, and then get into Donom. I figured if the guy was still coming, that's the route you'd use from town, right? And so I walked that way, facing oncoming traffic, looking into every car. I don't know the man, I don't know how he looks like, but I was hoping maybe he'd recognize me or maybe, you know, would feel that kinship. <laughs> and as I walked, we got to phase four. It actually happened. I locked eyes with this guy. And for a moment there, I thought that was him. But he had a woman with him in the car. I was sure it can't be him. Because you don't bring a date to a date. <laughs> and this one is for the women, okay? You don't bring a date to? So I continue walking, but the car actually stops behind me. And a man comes out and he asks me, Amani? Trembling, I answer in the affirmative. And he introduces himself. It was Pops. And so he invites me back into the car. And we go back, we drive back to Buruburu shopping center where he buys me some chips. We get back into the car. He introduces me to his wife, who was seated in the front passenger seat. And this is how we got to know each other. I mean, he was sitting in the driver's seat, his wife in the front passenger seat. I was at the back eating chips. <laughs> Thinking to myself, this is a really bad date. I was almost stood up. The food is very basic. <laughs> There's not much eye contact. And I'm beginning to feel like a third wheel. I've never been a clandé, but. Sort of felt a bit like that. And after a somewhat emotional conversation, I went back home. Happy, I'd met the man, but a little disappointed. I sort of got the feeling this relationship was not going to be what I had imagined it would be. And to be honest, subsequent engagements with him sort of cemented it. I knew I was never really going to be long. And so I had to make a decision first to work with the man I had at home. <laughs> Dad, you remember him? And second, I knew that my identity 
this thing I was trying to resolve was still going to be a work in progress. Fast forward to 2009, and I'm a father of a two-year-old beautiful girl, and I have a son on the way. The son on the way presented a dilemma. Whom do I name him after? You see, in my culture, a firstborn son is named after the father's father. And so in essence, the question I was asking, who was my father? At this point, dad and I had started to have a pretty good relationship. I'd figured the man was solid. To be honest and to be fair to him, he had been there. He had been there throughout my stages of life. School, university, going to work, moving out of home. He, had, he, he allowed me license to try anything I wanted. And he said to me, if it doesn't work out, it's okay. I got you. And now I was starting to feel the security of having a father. In fact, years later, not too far, about five years later, the man would prove how solid he was when my marriage ended. And he found out before I could tell him. And he summoned me. And we sat, and like a sinner to a priest, I confessed my sins and transgressions. Don't laugh, it was a very shameful experience. And after listening to me patiently, just enumerate all the mistakes I'd made in my marriage, he told me, I love you. And told me, despite this, I've always been proud of you. Yet, I still had this dilemma. Whom do I name my son after? Would you like to know whom I named him after? All for pops? Anyway. <laughs> I named him after dad. I needed to honor the man who was my father. The man who had stood by me all through these stages of life. You see, I figured if I named him after Pops, yes, would have a continuation of name, but he wouldn't have that relationship that identity needs. But I also knew that if I named him after Dad, I was making a critical decision because I was, for the first time, publicly acknowledging him as my father. And I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I did it because now, as a father, I know that I have some work to do. That my fatherhood journey is a work in, in progress. I know that by doing this, I resolved my identity crisis. But I gave my children a chance for them not to have awkward first dates. And especially not an awkward first date with their father or their grandfather, who loves them completely and dearly. And I do this by encouraging them, by letting them know that I have their back. I do this by letting them live their hopes and dreams.
just like my father did. And I do this by twice a month taking them on a date. I hope to challenge the fathers here. Though your journey is a work in progress, that you become a good father. And as my friend Simon Bevy says, not just be a good father, but as I aspire, I also want to be great at being a dad. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my story. I hope it gave you a few laughs and I hope it gave you maybe some inspiring thoughts. You can find it on YouTube as well. It's on the Engage Talk channel and you know it's called Who's Your Daddy by Mani Maranga. Now what's funny about this story is that after I gave this story, I actually called my dad and I had the opportunity to go and hang out with him. He's now living at the coast. And I went to hung out with him and uh, he was unwell and we spent three, four days with him. It was interesting to watch my dad come from a space where he had no strength and in four days he was able to just go about his business as he would every day. And he said something to me that was interesting. He said, Amani, you have given me strength. Thank you for coming to see me. It was such a moment for me because even as I as I was there trying to you know bond with him and trying to to live what I'm talking about like live truthfully for myself he was needing it at the time and I did not know and my presence happened to be the healing balm that he needed for his soul and for his strength and for his spirit when this video was released for the Engage Talk, the one that you've just listened to, I was actually just about to leave the coast and we were having coffee before I caught my flight back to Nairobi. And I had him listen to the conversation. The first time he's heard me narrate this story. And dad told me, Amani, I love you. Thank you for honoring me. Guys, it's true. We can be the children, the sons that we want our children to be. How you treat your father might very well be how you're treated. So what are you going to do about it? Call him. This is Living Truthfully.